Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of John, chapter number one, Gospel of John, chapter number one, when I was just a teenager, I remember memorizing a good portion of this particular chapter, and what a powerful chapter that it is first chapter of the gospel of John simply reads in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, as many as received him, to them gave he power. Everybody say power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. A lot of people have taken that last phrase, them that believe on his name, to mean that just by having faith or uh, mental assent towards or agreement with believing on the name of Jesus, that that is all that is required for salvation But we all know that faith and true belief in God requires action. Amen? If you believe that a storm was coming, the weatherman told you that a Category 5 hurricane was coming this direction, if you really believed it, you'd make preparations, wouldn't you? You'd take action. Amen? So when we believe, it forces action on our part. But I really want to center around... Verse 12, it says, but as many as received him. And I want to use as my subject here today, as many as received him. As many as received him. Would you lift up your hands and your voices once again with me? And let's pray together right now. The Lord God of heaven would help us. Bless us in the remainder of this service here this morning. Thank you, God, for your presence that we feel. Thank you, God, for visiting us. 
What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you regard us and that you acknowledge us. And I'm so thankful that you blessed us here today with your presence. We're thankful, God, that we can feel you this morning. In Jesus' name, would you clap your hands to the Lord once again and let's give him praise together with our lips. Come on, somebody sound off and give praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It really is daunting to consider when you think about all the people <clears throat> that live in this world today and how many of them really do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of the, I think it is now, over 7 billion people that live on the face of this globe, and a substantial amount of them, I am told, have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And I know that's hard for us to fathom living where we live in the Western world and, and Christianity, uh, at least a form of it, being... Uh, predominant in our nation it's hard for us to fathom that that a substantial amount of people still have never heard the name Jesus Christ and then there is of course an overwhelming amount of people that think they know him but sadly are deceived and they do not know him in the fullness of truth and folks it is knowing Him in the fullness of truth that makes us free because the Scripture said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You're not fully free until you fully know and have a revelation of the truth. And that's why so many people that claim Christianity today are still bound by alcoholism, that are still bound by pornography, still bound by promiscuous lifestyles, still suffer from all kinds of mental anguish and illnesses and bondage. And it becomes increasingly frustrating when you observe this world and you see the problems that people are living with and the hurt that is in our world and the strife and the conflicts that are in families and in society. The pressures and the stresses, the, the worries and the fears. And you think if they only knew Jesus, if they only had a relationship with Him, because there's power in really knowing the Lord. Can you say amen? Knowing Jesus is different than knowing some finite individual who only possesses earthly power. I have had opportunity, I don't know if you call it a privilege or not, but an opportunity uh, to meet ex-presidents and governors. And I have been introduced to a certain amount, not a whole lot, of celebrities. And those encounters really did nothing to affect me or change me or really leave me feeling anything positive. But Jesus is greater than all of that. You cannot truly come in contact with Him. You cannot truly experience Him and the power 
of the truth and not be changed. Anybody that tells you that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ and it not, has not affected them in every level of their life and changed them, they do not have the full experience that they could have. There's something about being born again. There's something about coming to an altar and repenting of your sins and having the Lord forgive you of those sins. And really that's the only way they can be forgiven is first of all you admit them and repent of them and confess them before the Lord and ask Him to forgive you of them and turn from those sins and consciously make a choice that I'm going to walk with the Lord. And then you don't stop there. That's just the beginning. But the Lord reveals to us through His Word that He has much more for us. Amen. But He can offer us remission for those sins through the baptismal waters that we partake of when we're baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And sin suddenly loses its hold upon our lives. Amen. It doesn't matter what a grip sin has had upon your life. And sin can be a thing that gets a hold of people in such a way that it's a difficult thing for them to shake. How many people do I know that have, have, for one reason or another, not because they really wanted to initially, but uh, they headed down a road maybe with substance abuse and become addicted to that. And they, they tried everything that they possibly could to overcome it. And, and they could not. Uh, there's been much talk in our world about the opioid abuse that is going on. And how people have become addicted to it. And it's destroying people's lives. And, and it's like uh, one brick at a time. It dismantles their life. And messes their life up. And all the potential that they have. And all of the, the promise that they have. And all of the good things and attributes is, is overshadowed because of substance abuse. I'm telling you that that is not the will of God for a person's life. That they live bound up. That they live uh, uh, oppressed by, and that's really what it is, by that addiction. And the enemy uses that to torment them. And they feel like they cannot live without that substance, that drug, or maybe it's alcoholism. Whatever it is, they feel like they cannot function without it. I'm going to tell you that's a slap in the face of your Creator. God created you to be complete. God created you to have joy. God created you to have peace. God created you to be fulfilled in life. And really the missing piece to the puzzle of life cannot be found in any of those things. But it's found in Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Ghost. But when we go down in a watery grave in Jesus' name, nicotine addiction and alcohol addiction and and prescription drug addiction and, and uh, illicit drug addiction. It's all, it's all remitted. It's all taken care of in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's power, there's authority in that name to break the chains of bondage in a person's life. I have to believe that. Is anybody believe that along with me in this room? That when you have faith in the name and you go down in the name of Jesus. 
Well, let me talk about some other things that get a hold of people's lives. It's not just drugs and alcoholism. Those are things that sometimes we can spot and we can see. I was walking in in a big city not long ago and standing on a street corner waiting on the light to change for me to be able to cross. And and there was a man that uh, no doubt the devil had taken hold of his mind and uh, he had given himself over to it and and he was screaming out at, at, at me and others that were standing there. And he was speaking in a voice that was, that was strange. And, and uh, I, I did not pay it a lot of mind. And uh, finally, I, I seen where he was tormenting some folks. And, and uh, as we were going on down the street, and, and, and people were afraid. And they, they were scared. But I thought to myself, uh, while they are, are feeling fear from this man's actions... Uh, this man on the inside of his heart is the man that's most afraid. And, and, and fear has gripped a hold of him. And the devil has taken over his mind. And, and, and nowadays we're seeing people that, that uh, they cannot cope with life and, and the pressures of life. And we are living in a world that is filled with all kinds of different pressures. And it seems like it's coming from every angle. Somebody told me recently, it seems like I get through one trial, Pastor, and there's another one waiting on me. I'm going to tell you that he told us and gave us the promise that he would never put anything upon us that he would not help us to bear. Praise God. I'm going to tell you there's nothing that you're facing if you're a child of God that he will not see you through and he will not help you with. Come on, do you really believe that this morning? He is able to help you to cope. Matter of fact, the Bible said of the Holy Ghost when it described it, it said it's righteousness, which we cannot achieve on our own. Peace and joy is in the Holy Ghost. Peace is something that we don't discuss a lot. We talk a lot about joy and people are in constant search for joy and a quest to find joy and happiness in life. And, and we, we talk a lot about righteousness as, uh, as a church. And we teach and preach a lot about righteousness. And it's definitely a necessity. But peace is kind of one of those things that we don't discuss a whole lot. I want to tell you that peace is important to you. Amen. It's, it's not the will of God that you lay awake at night worrying. It's not the will of God that you wake up in the morning with fears overshadowing you. It's not the will of God that you live tormented. It's not the will of God that you have confusion and chaos constantly in your world. It's the will of God that you have peace. And the Bible describes it this way. Peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. I'm telling you, the peace of God can bring a, a subtlety to your life and, 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 a, and a foundation for you to stand upon that it doesn't matter how much this world is shaking around you. It doesn't matter what's going on and what's happening in your life. It can be busting loose on every side. But if you have His peace, I said if you have His peace that comes to the power of the Holy Ghost, you can cope with it. You can deal with it. Everybody else is falling apart, but you don't have to fall apart. Everybody else is losing it, but you don't have to lose it. He's able to give you peace and a sound mind, the Scripture says. Hey, 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I rebuke that spirit of fear. I rebuke that, that constant turmoil. I rebuke that confusion that is trying to invade your home. I rebuke that attitude that said, am I ever going to be happy? Can I ever have joy? Can, can it ever be any different than it is right now? I'm telling you, there's peace that passeth all understanding. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's give praise to him right now. Amen. It's the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Amen. And you think about all the problems that are going on, all the difficulties that people are having, and they don't seem to be able to overcome them on their own. And you know that the only hope is in Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus is different than, than knowing anybody else. Having a relationship with him is something that, that is not only a privilege and a benefit to our lives, but to think about that the only way that I am here today is not just by my choosing, he said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And that God would draw us and that God would compel us. That's why we must make the most out of this service today. It's because whether you realize it or not, you're here by divine orchestration. You're here because the Lord purposed you to be here. I realize it's a holiday weekend and there's a lot, a lot of folks that are out. I was discussing with uh, Brother Lorman that Labor Day. I said, I know that's to honor the labor movement and all of that, but it looks like another excuse to me just for people to, to run off and, and to spend money. Praise God. And, and, and perhaps that's the idea behind it is to get people out and spending money uh, in America. But uh, whatever the reason is, it is what it is. And uh, we're going to be happy anyway. Praise the Lord. But you're here because God has ordained for you to be here today. You're not here just because you showed up on your own choosing. That's part of the equation. But I'm going to tell you, first of all, no man comes unless the Spirit first draws him. And you think, that, think of that as it pertains to your salvation and you being a part of the church and you having a revelation of the truth of God's word. You think about that. You consider that. Out of all of the many people we said earlier, seven billion folks plus in, in population that, that walk the face of this globe. And you're here today because God drew you and you responded to the drawing of his spirit. And so when his spirit goes forth and begins to draw a person, that's not to be taken haphazardly. That's not for us to be frivolous with. That's not for us to just take lightly. But we need to realize the sacredness of it. We need to realize that God is reaching and we need to respond appropriately to that. But the privilege of having a relationship with God, the, the, the whole idea of being a part of the kingdom of God and, and being His child, being filled with His Spirit, taking on His name in baptism, that's a very powerful thing. 
We're not just talking about anybody here, folks. We're talking about the very expressed image of God, the Bible says. And in that name, there is power. There's authority that there is in no other name. Matter of fact, the Bible said at that name, every knee shall bow. There's nothing that has precedence over that name. There's nothing that has power over that name. There's nothing that has a higher authority than that name. When you call on the name of Jesus, you're invoking all the power of God. When you call on the name of Jesus, amen, Satan has to pack up his bags and flee. When you call on the name of Jesus, hell has to stand at attention. When you call on the name of Jesus, amen, things can happen in heaven and in earth, the scripture says. Amen. When we call on that name, prayers are answered. Miracles transpire. Revival breaks out. I'm thankful to have a revelation of the power of the name of Jesus. Come on, let's clap our hands and give praise to the Lord. There's no one like Jesus. He's incomparable. But isn't it fascinating to think that when he first presented himself after the 40 days in the wilderness and he comes back to his hometown, the town where there was people that he knew, he knew their needs, he knew all of their handicaps, he knew their health struggles, he knew their emotional struggles, he knew situations in their life because he lived with them for 30 years in that community. He attended that synagogue. And now comes the time for him to present himself as the Messiah. In Luke chapter 4, he steps up, takes the scrolls to read at the appointed time, and says, The Spirit of the Lord, quotes Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. However, when he mentioned these things and before he was seated, he said, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, now is the time that the prophet, hundreds of years before, prophesied about. Today it's being fulfilled. The opportunity that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been awaiting, the thing that has been the discussion in the marketplace when Messiah comes. Matter of fact, uh, reading about this, I, I found that that it was almost a, a phrase of that day that was used in passing among the Jewish people. They would often say, uh, you know, this and that is wrong with, with the world and, and with uh, the government and the economy and all of these things. But when Messiah comes, it's all going to change. 
It's all going to be different. And and many times uh, uh, it it could parallel with what we say in the church today. When when Jesus comes again or when revival comes, that was the same type of colloquialism that they were using. When Messiah comes, he's going to to set the record straight. He's going to to right all the wrongs that are in this world today. When Messiah comes and finally Jesus stands up in that little place, uh, that little synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and says, this day is the scripture fulfilled. They said, this is surely not the place that this would happen. And this is surely not the person that we, we've been praying for. This is the carpenter's son. This is the boy that we have watched grow up. This is the one that is among us. And the Bible says that they did not only not receive him, but they rejected him. And they cast him out of their synagogue. And they took him to uh, the edge of the city and it was built upon a hill and they cast him down headlong. And he, being in the midst of them, went his way. And he went to another place. And the scripture says of many of these areas that he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. Because they did not know how to receive. They did not know how to respond. They did not know how to yield their will to the will of God. And you know what? Uh, That is still the challenge that we all face today is yielding our will to the will of God. That's the number one challenge that every one of us face. That's what you face when you come to an altar and you you die out to sin. We don't like to talk about repentance in the 21st century as it is. But I'm going to tell you, it still requires you being broken and humbled before the Lord and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm not self-sufficient. I can't get it done by myself. But I I need your help. Life is is too much for me to handle on my own. The spirits of this world I'm no match for. But I know God that you're able to help me. And you can help me overcome what I have previously not been able to overcome. You're able God to turn my life around. And you repent of your sins. Amen. I said you repent of your sin. And sometimes it takes us going up against a brick wall, as it were, in life to realize that we need the Lord. It takes the props being kicked out from under us for us to realize how desperately we need Jesus. But aren't you thankful that He allowed some struggles? He allowed some pain if necessary to get our attention and to shake us up and help us to realize I need an altar in my life. Because if everything was just rosy and everything was just fine, you perhaps would have never come to an altar of prayer. But because life turned upside down and because it seemed like that you were hopeless on your own, you ran to an altar and repented of your sins and said, God, I need your help today. That's how you came to God. And brothers and sisters, that's how you're going to stay living for God. Is to keep yourself humble before Him. And say, God, I still can't do this by myself. I don't care how much you achieve in life. You'll never be able to make it on your own. You'll always need Him to rely upon. That's just the way He created us. There's always going to be a vacancy in your heart that only He can feel. That's just how He created us. I need Jesus' help. I want to walk with Him. I want to talk with Him. 
with him. I want to rely upon him every day. I'm leery of folks. I'm leery of folks that get so puffed up they think they can do it on their own. I'm leery of folks because they have a few marked achievements in life that God really is the one that blessed them to be able to achieve. That suddenly they don't need God anymore. I'm going to tell you, woe is that person. And just because it doesn't seem like you drive off the cliff immediately, just because the blessings are not shut down overnight, don't you ever get to thinking that, that you can get by without Jesus Christ. You've got to have him. You've got to rely upon him. Amen. There's going to be some places in your life that you're going to need him. And I, I promise you this, uh, that the, the longer that you live, the more you will realize that. I said the longer that you live, it's easy to have ideas about things when you're young. It's easy to have ideas about things and how things and how life is going to turn out and how you got the tiger by the tail when you're young. But you let life get topsy-turvy. You let some things go wrong. You let, you let the world be turned upside down and you'll realize all over again afresh just how much I am vulnerable. Just, just how life can turn against me so quickly and at that point I need Jesus I need the help of the Lord I need God I can't do this by myself but how could somebody that we've lived so close to and been so familiar with really be the Messiah and they rejected him out of hand when there was so much potential there. Oh, it's a sad thing to see people reject the Lord. I remember I was, I was uh, traveling and on I-10 and I was coming through El Paso. And I was alone. My wife was going to fly to meet me in Houston to preach revival, I think it was. And, and we were, I was pulling a trailer along I-10 and I stopped off at a service station there and parked the trailer and got in it uh, to sleep a little while and uh, then I'd, I'd gotten up that morning and was went over to the uh, service station and got a drink and some snacks and things and was going to head out on my journey and I noticed a stir in one of the neighboring RVs that was parked there and uh, so I went over and there was this man that was obviously uh, in a midst of having a, a major heart attack. And uh, in fact, it, it looked pretty bleak. And his wife was standing there over him and desperate. And they had already called the paramedics. And uh, she was trying to help him as much as she could. And of course, the immediate thing on my mind is to offer to pray. And I was totally shocked amazed when I said, ma'am, would you like me to help you pray for your husband? And uh, I don't know, even in her distress, she turned around and with steely eyes said no. And I can't tell you the cold chill that run down my spine when she looked at me and said it the way, she, you know, I, I understand that there might be a, a kind refusal, but it was just the way 
and the attitude. It was like, we don't believe in God. We don't want your God. We don't need your help. And I don't know what the fate was for that man, but I walked away thinking not everybody receives him. Not everybody that needs help wants help. And you can only help folks as they desire to be helped. You can only give to people what they're hungry for. Amen. And I believe that there are hungry folks in this world. And we've got to find them. And we cannot be discouraged with folks that are not necessarily hungry or ready at that particular time when we go to them. Sometimes you can get so frustrated thinking revival is going to come through these people that you have in mind and that you singled out. And you get so fixed on that and discouraged when they reject or when they're not ready I want to tell you what you need to do is you need to continue to pray for them but don't let them discourage you and go find somebody that is willing and that is ready and that is accepting of the gospel because they're out there friends I said they're out there for those that are hungry there's going to be people that are going to and for everybody that rejects there's, there's somebody that's going to say that's what I've been looking for that's what I've been hungry that's 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 what i've been reaching for and i couldn't find i need the hope of the gospel of jesus i need god's help in my life this is what i've been searching i can't tell you how many times i've seen people come to church and feel the presence of the lord for the first time and say you know what this is exactly what i've been looking for this is what i need this is what i desire i need the Holy Ghost. I need the peace of God in my life. I need the help of the Lord in my life. This is what I desire. This is what I've been on a quest to find. Oh yes, I feel something here that I've been looking for and couldn't find anywhere else. You're not going to find it. Amen. Out there in the world of sin, you can find it in the presence of God. You can find joy here. You can find peace here. You can find true happiness here. The Bible talks about in Luke chapter 14 a certain man hosted a great supper. <coughs> he made out the invitations of who he wanted to be at the supper. And then he sent his servant out and said go, go tell them that it's now ready Time to eat, to have the party is at hand. Go get them. You know who they are. And he went to one, and the man said, I just purchased a piece of land, and I want to go and see it. Can I be excused? He went to the next one that was on the list, and he said, well, I I just bought an ox, and I I need to try and, and prove this ox and so I can't make it if I could be excused and the other said that I married a wife and therefore I cannot come and he went down the list and there's nothing wrong with any one of these excuses there's nothing wrong with of course owning land and there's nothing wrong with purchasing farm equipment there's nothing wrong of course with marrying a wife or a husband. But the inexcusable thing was, was the priorities of this individual were totally misplaced. They were totally out of whack. 
instead of responding to an opportunity, instead of yielding to the chance that he had, instead of heeding the opportunity to come and be a part of something that was especially intended for him, they rejected it out of hand. And so the master of the supper said, I want you to go back out. And I want you to go find the halt, the blind, the maimed, those that we didn't intend on necessarily and we didn't think was going to be a part of the party. I want you to come and bring them in. Those people that have real needs, I want you to come. Those that are really hungry, I want you to allow them to join us at the party. And so you go out and get them. And he went out and he got the halt the blind and the maimed and brought them in and seated them in the places where there was supposed to be the dignitaries and the folks that had originally been on the list for the party, the guest list, if you will. And he replaced them with these people that were broken, these people that were the refuse of society. I'm going to tell you, it's still the truth today. Those that are broken hearted, those that are bruised, those that are battered, by the world. Those are the people that are most receptive to the gospel. Those are the people that really desire change in their life. Those are the folks that really need God. It's the one that their marriage is on the rocks. It's the one that it seems like life is spiraling out of control like a plane in a tailspin. They're the ones that are really searching. They're the ones that are really hungry for God. He said, bring them. Let them eat in their place. Let them feed at the table. Let them receive what they desire. And when that was all said and done, lo and behold, there was still room in the banquet hall. And he said, it's not the will of God that one, one place setting not be filled up. It's not the will of God that one space in this building not be filled. He said, go back out. Go a little further. Go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in that my house may be full. I'm going to tell you, it's the will of God that anybody that's hungry be able to receive. That be able to feast at God's table. Be able to receive the blessings that God has for them. I will tell you, He's got joy for you here. He's got peace for you here. He's got completeness for you here. He's got fulfillment for you here. You can find the will of God for your life here. You can find what you've been searching for here. He said, come on. You can partake. You can have. If you're hungry, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely come on let's lift up our hands and give praise to the Lord there's a place for those that receive him I said there is a place for those that will receive him Jesus overlooking that beloved city always seemed to have a love affair for Jerusalem said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would gather thee together as a hen with her chicks, but you would not. You stoned the prophets that I sent unto you. 
You rejected the preacher, the man of God that I tried to send to tell you and to warn you. But I never stop loving. If only you would have received me. If only you would have opened your heart to me. So much potential for you. Oh, but I'm going to tell you in this last hour, there's going to be people that are going to receive. There's going to be people that are going to be hungry and searching and desirous of something from the Lord. I was preaching here not long ago in a church uh, on a Sunday night, and they did not have a formal dismissal. And I watched one young lady, a young married lady that was down in the front, and uh, I noticed that when she came up, she had a a cane, and... uh, and uh, she was very young, but she had a cane, and I noticed she, she had a limp. And I didn't know exactly what the problem was, but uh, I noticed the hunger that was there. And, and for the longest time, she lingered in the altar. I'm going to tell you, we need to get back to that church where when the presence of God hoovers over a place, we don't get in a hurry. Amen. We're not worried about moving on. We're not worried about just leaving and, and getting with our friends and going and doing whatever we got to do. Or we're not so uh, we're not so fixated on what's going to go on tomorrow. I'm going to tell you, everything else can wait when the presence of the Lord. Somebody said, well, I'm tired. I need to go home. I'm going to tell you, whatever happened to this being the rest, we're in the weary shall rest. Whatever happened to this being the one place that we get recharged. Amen. And, and she was just lingering in that altar. And, and a lot of people had already picked up their things and gone on and, and left and she was still there praying and speaking in tongues and and then and then when everybody was just about gone she was still there uh, praying and seeking the face of God and the pastor came up to me and he said you see that young lady right there he said that young lady when she was just uh, freshly married uh, she was expecting a child and and there was a, a problem with uh, uh, some of the the childbirth procedure that was going on uh, anyway, it left her paralyzed in that leg, and uh, since that day, she's struggled to just get by and to make it. Her and her husband, they don't have anything monetarily as far as this world is concerned. The only thing they have is the Lord. And I've watched her as she stays right there in that altar, plugged in to the presence of God. And I told my wife, he said, we have no idea what she faces. We don't have any idea of the challenges that she has. And her only hope is, is to get in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, there's folks. Amen. You may not want him, but there's somebody that is hungry. There's somebody. Somebody is looking for an opportunity. There is somebody that wants a chance. There is somebody that will receive him. And as to many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You talk about power to overcome. You talk about power to be what you need to be in life. You can only receive that through the power of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you stand to your feet right now and let's lift up our hands to the Lord and give him praise. As many, as many, as receive him. I'm talking about people receiving him. Our friend, Brother Dean, down in, down in Bossier, just was recently at a meeting, and there was a little boy, a little baby boy, looked to be about a year old, 
They brought him up to the front. Foster parents have taken care of him. They're in the process of adopting him, as I understand it. This baby was born with his parents were on drugs. And so he had a hole in his heart, as I understand it. And he was blind and deaf. And they brought him down and said, this boy needs prayer or he can't make it. And they began to pray for that boy. And I saw it myself on a little clip that they showed. They prayed for that boy. And then they took a toy and they began to move it in front of his eyes. And his eyes began to follow that toy. They began to make noise and he, they'd snap the fingers and he'd follow the noise. He could hear. They took him to the doctor to have him examined. They got it documented. There's no longer a hole in his heart. He's not only healed of his blindness and his deafness, but the heart condition is taken care of. As many as receive him if you're hungry today God is still a miracle worker if you're hungry today God is still able to do great things is there anybody in this place that said I need a miracle preacher I need a miracle pastor I need God to touch my life I need God to work for me would you step out of that pew would you make your way to this altar it doesn't matter if you're saint or if this is the first time that you've been to this church I want you to God is still a miracle worker. As many as receive Him, to them gave He power. To them gave He power. I want the hungry to come. I want that person that is desperate for the things of God to come. I want that individual that needs the Lord to move in their life. I want you to step down here right now. God is going to move in this place for as many as receive Him. For as many as are open to Him. As many as desire Him. As many as are hungry for him. He is able to do it right now. Why don't you stretch forth your hands, say to God. Oh, why don't you stretch forth your hands, guest, amen, and say, God, I need you to move. I desire you to work. I want you to have your way in my life. I need a miracle today. I need a touch of the Holy Ghost today. I need a change in my life this morning.